We're talking about the way of the early church. So Paul and Silas go to prison, which means we're not done with the believers going to prison for their beliefs. This is not going to end anytime soon either. Now, I love the United States of America. It's messed up, but it's, I believe, the best country in the world, and we have the best lifestyle that we've, that's ever been in the history of the world. Solomon did not have a refrigerator. Solomon did not have a vehicle. We're rich people. And we have incredible blessings here in the United States, and not the least of which is religious freedom. Let's make the most of it while we can. Amen? Let's praise Jesus out loud while we can. Because in Bible times, they did not have that luxury. And so we're going to read through this account of Paul and Silas going to prison. And in this situation, various people are impacted by the power of God. Various people have experiences with God. Depending on who they are, they have different experiences. Most of them are very positive experiences. Some of them, however, are very negative experiences. And it depends on who the person is and how they are open to God on whether or not they're going to have a positive or a negative experience with God. And then there's a second level thing where we can have peace with God in the midst of this storm. That's a second level experience with God. So let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 12, the situation in Philippi, where Paul and Silas go to prison. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. So there wasn't enough of a Jewish contingent in this Roman colony to have a synagogue. So then there would be a place of prayer outside the city by the river. That was the system back then. And so they went out to the river and were looking for people who were Jewish. So we, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So how's it going in Philippi so far? Hey, we got a whole family saved. You know, uh, Lydia and her whole household are baptized. Now, what's their experience with God so far? They're hearing the message from Paul. They're responding to the message. There's no miracles. There's nothing fancy going on. Just sharing of the gospel, sharing of the truth of God, maybe some testimonies. And Lydia and her whole household respond. They get saved. They get baptized. Now we've got some Christians in Philippi. And she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, so they're going back to that same place where they've had this wonderful success with Lydia in her household. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So we have a slave girl here who's got a demon problem, but this demon problem is allowing her to have some supernatural powers. And so she's a fortune teller and the owners of this girl are making a lot of money off of her. Have you heard of human trafficking? 
This would basically be a human trafficking situation, except she's being used to be influenced by demonic spirits to have special powers. And she's stuck in this. She's a slave and she earned him a lot of money. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Is that a good message or a bad message? It's a good message, but it was put forth in the wrong way. Verse 18, she kept this up for many days. So for example, it would be like if while I'm preaching, somebody in the back keeps shouting, there's Pastor Mike telling you about Jesus. So we're going to turn to Acts. There he's reading the scriptures, the word of God. He's reading you the word of God. And you're trying to have a meeting and somebody keeps shouting this stuff. And I'm guessing that there was a bit of a mocking tone to it. She kept this up for many days. How patient are you? Can you listen to a baby cry for three minutes in church? That can be a challenge. Here's a demon possessed lady shouting through the meetings for days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So now she has been impacted by the power of God. Was she seeking deliverance? Not that we know of. She doesn't have much choice in this situation anyway. So Paul just says, you get out and the demon leaves and she's free. I wonder what happened to her after this. Because now she's not of any value to the slave owners. She's lost her value. She can't tell the future. The demon is gone. Does she become a maid? I don't know. It doesn't say. Does she get saved? I would hope so. She must have felt that. I'm thinking she probably responded, but it doesn't say. One thing's for sure. Her life was never the same. She had lost the thing that she could do. Sometimes when we get saved... We have to leave the old life and we have to go into something completely different. We might be really good at the thing we used to do, but now it's not right. And we have to go another direction. This is kind of the sort of neutral experience with God. You know, she lost something, but she gained so much more if she did get saved. What about her owners? Verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So did the owners dispute the fact that the demon was gone and she had lost her powers? No, they're mad that the demon is gone. There is no disputing whether or not this happened. Even the ones that are against Paul and Silas are like, what? You drove, you drove out the demon. What's wrong with you? We were making money off that girl. So they dragged Paul and Silas in to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. So this is a Roman colony. And they're saying, look, the Jews are here and they're messing with us. Anti-Semitism is people hating the Jews. And I think there was plenty of that back then. Verse 21. They're putting our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So the the crowd joins in. These slave owners were very upset. Their business was ruined and they became very angry after their encounter with the power of God. 
Now, what if all the businesses, legal and illegal, that depended on evil and sin were closed because of the power of God? Wouldn't that be awesome? The man who started the Presbyterian Church in Big Fork about 110 years ago now, when he showed up in Big Fork, Minnesota, you know, just 100 miles from here, there were like 10 bars and no churches. When he left, there was one church and no bars. <laughs> Two years of fighting. Back then, they used to fight. And the people from the, the liquor establishments hired a guy from the cities, from Minneapolis, to come and beat him up. But he, he beat that guy up, and it's a wonderful story. There's a book called The Last of the Giants. You can read about all these stories about the rough and tumble spreading of the gospel in northern Minnesota. And that man's granddaughter used to be in the nursing home in Carleton. When I first started preaching in Carleton, I got to meet her. Super neat. Anyway, he made some people mad because he shut down the bars. When Billy Graham would go into a town... He would change the dynamic of how things worked because people would start acting differently. And it's the same thing with these slave owners. The power of God comes in. The girl is delivered and set free and they're mad. It's not good to be in the position where when God does a miracle, you get mad, where it ruins your life. It's not good to be in that position. What you want to do is be the one who's excited about what God is going to do. Has the gospel ever inconvenienced you or made you angry? It's a mess when people inside the church don't like when God moves. That's a mess. We must be open to the power of God, excited about the power of God, or we put ourselves in the category with these slave owners. So Paul and Silas are in prison. Verse 24, upon receiving such orders, the jailer put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. All right. So this was going so well. Lydia got saved. Her whole household got saved. Looks like we're getting a nice little church going here. Then deliver the girl from the demon. Now Paul and Silas are severely flogged. They're beaten. And as we'll learn later, they have open wounds. These aren't bruises. These are opened up wounds. And their feet are in the stocks in the inner cell. Have you ever served God and done everything you knew to do? And it just was very unpleasant. That's Paul and Silas. Two weeks ago, we talked about when Peter was in prison and how discouraged the believers were because when they had prayed for James, Herod had him executed. And they were discouraged. And so they prayed earnestly for Peter. But when he was released, they couldn't believe he was released. And they, they just thought, no, man, that can't be it. And we realized that they had been deeply impacted by the disappointment of their prayers not being answered for James. And they assumed that their prayers would not be answered for Peter. And when we talked about that, we talked about who would you rather be, Herod or James? Herod the king who can do whatever he wants, he can have people killed at his whim, or James, the victim, who would you rather be? James met the embrace of the Lord, and Herod, later in the same chapter, is eaten by worms and dies. And then he meets the Lord, and it doesn't go the same as it did for James. Who would you rather be? Now, I ask you the same question here. Who would you rather be? The slave owners who have the power to stir up the crowds and get Paul and Silas beaten and put into prison? Or would you rather be Paul and Silas? 
do I have to be beaten? (laughs) Well, probably not, but maybe, right? You got to be willing to do whatever. Now, again, I'm very thankful to live in this culture, in this world where we have laws and rules and, and freedoms. Hallelujah. What a blessing. But if we were in a different environment, we'd be called just the same as Paul and Silas. We win, as we talked about two weeks ago. We win, not by having a more comfortable life, not by living longer and having more stuff. We as believers in Jesus win when we walk by faith, we remain faithful and obedient to God, and we keep our love of God to the end, no matter what the circumstances are. If it's blessing in abundance, hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with blessing in abundance. If it's trial and struggle and sickness and pain, and you sing hallelujah anyway, then you win. If you love Jesus in the midst of the struggle, hallelujah. That's when you win. Paul and Silas win this day. They stayed faithful and they loved God through this trial. Let's keep reading. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So what was going on here 40 minutes ago was going on in that prison with Paul and Silas. So if they are praying and singing hymns to God, they're worshiping God, they're having a prayer meeting, they're having church in the prison, what weren't they doing? They weren't whining. They weren't crying. They were, God, why did you, what did we do today? But we did everything we could and she was so annoying. We had to get rid of that. That wasn't what was going on. They were like, well, God is good. Hallelujah. Here we are. We got a captive audience. Let's make the most of it. We're going to have ourselves a prayer meeting. We're going to worship God. They were full of courage. They were full of faith. They were full of strength and they were not deterred. They stayed faithful and loved Jesus on this day at midnight with their feet in the stalks, with open wounds that have been untreated. They're still loving Jesus. They win the day and the other prisoners were listening to them. What do you think they heard? They knew what it was like to be in a Philippian jail because they're in it. And these guys are being treated worse than them. They're in the inner cell with their feet in the stocks. They've been laid open and they're watching them love God and remain courageous and remain faithful and sing the praises of this God that they serve. And they're listening to that. What would that do to your heart? These other prisoners have an experience with God vicariously through watching Paul and Silas. And then they have a direct experience with God. Verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Paul and Silas's chains came loose and everybody else's. And all the prison doors flew open. It's not just Paul and Silas that are released. It's everyone, all of them, the whole prison. If you were in a Philippian jail at midnight in the dark and your chains came off and the door opened, what would you do? Boom. There's no find my phone app back then where they can chase you down. You're gone. Like I'm done with Philippi. I am out of here. But something happened to these people. These other prisoners had an experience with God. They saw Paul and Silas. They listened to them pray. They listened to them sing hymns to God. 
They saw the courage and the faith of Paul and Silas. And they saw the prison shake. That God was responding to Paul and Silas's courage and faithfulness and love. And I just picture God just, he can't stand anymore. He just shakes that place. Because his boys are doing good. And I believe they all got saved. Because let's keep reading. Verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Is the jailer having a good experience with the power of God? Not right now. It's going to get better in just a bit. Let me tell you, if you are at the place where you think it's time to be done with this life, let me tell you, Jesus has something better for you than what you're experiencing right now. Jesus has a way to make you have a new life, be born again, be forgiven of anything in the past and brought into a new life, a new life of purpose, a new life, a new place in this world and everlasting life with him. Don't you give up. You give yourself to Jesus. If you're done with your life, give it to Jesus. He'll do something good with it. All right. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. There's some important things we can learn here. First, he doesn't need to kill himself. That wasn't God's plan was for the jailer to commit suicide. Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Two really important things. First, the prisoners all stayed. Their chains came off. Their doors opened up and they stayed. And Paul knew they stayed. Not only did they stay, it's still dark. The jailer doesn't know where the prisoners are, but Paul does. How does Paul know? I think what happened was the doors opened, the chains fell off, and Paul said, boys, God's got something bigger for you than running off into the night. You stay here. They all said, all right, the freedom that you're talking about is bigger than the freedom of running out this door. So we're all going to stay because they stayed. Verse 29. The jailer called for lights. So it was dark when, when Paul knew what was going on. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they're talking about salvation. They're talking about giving their lives to Christ. They're talking about understanding this. I believe all the prisoners are saved now and they've decided to stay. Now the jailer wants to know because he probably was listening to him before he fell asleep. And he's like, whatever this is that you guys are talking about, I need it. Now imagine what the prisoners would have thought about the jailer. Do you think prisoners have a positive experience with their jailers? Maybe in a Roman colony in Philippi where they can just beat you half to death because they don't like what you have to say. They probably don't like their jailers. Any one of those guys could have just left and signed the death warrant for the jailer and got him back and been free. There's a love God has for us. That when we receive that love, it spills over to other people. And those prisoners loved the jailer enough to do what Paul said and stick around. That's a supernatural God kind of love. They spared the jailer's life. God is doing amazing things. And it brings the jailer, not because he's so amazed at the courage and strength of Paul and Silas, but because he's so amazed at the mercy and kindness of his prisoners. He says, what do I need to do? I, I need in on this thing too. Verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family are baptized. So we go from the beginning, we get Lydia and her family get baptized, and it's all very pleasant. Then a lot of difficulties happen, and the jailer and his family get baptized. The jailer saw the incredible mercy of the people of God. The prisoners saw the incredible courage of the people of God. What did the family of the jailer see? What did the family of Lydia see? They heard the testimony about what had happened somewhere else, and they just believed it, and they were saved, and they were baptized. That, to me, is the greatest testimony in this whole chapter, is Lydia and her family who just respond to the message, and the jailer's family who weren't there probably next door, you know, but they weren't in the moment. They didn't experience it. They just heard the testimony and believed it. Maybe that's the situation you're in where you haven't seen the great miracle from God. You haven't seen the incredible compassion of a person who could hold something against you, but who releases it. You haven't necessarily seen the incredible courage of someone, but you've heard the message and now you've got to choose. Am I going to believe that or am I going to set it aside? Lydia's family believed it and was baptized. The jailer's family believed it and baptized. Maybe you'll just believe me when I tell you that there is a God in heaven that loves you and I have seen his mighty hand at work. And if you haven't seen a miracle from God, just trust me. He is there and forgiveness is available to all humanity. And he loves you and he wants to bring you into relationship with him so that you can walk with him in this life, learn his ways, get free from all kinds of garbage and walk into everlasting life. Maybe you'll just believe me and be like the jailer's household. The power of God affected different people in different ways. God is always the same. The difference is made by who people are, what they want. The slave owners wanted to gain money by exploiting other people. They were very angry when God delivered the girl, set her free. Don't be the person who's angry when God does a mighty act of mercy. So many others in this account were open to the power of God. Some people like Paul and Silas were going through incredible hardships, but they stayed in faith. They stayed loving Jesus. They stayed strong. So how about you? What type of person are you? How will you respond to God? Our closing scripture is Hebrews 10, 39 says this. This is a statement of faith. It's being told to a people who are shaken, to a people who were very enthusiastic at the beginning, who faced hardships with joy, and now more years have gone by, and their faith is beginning to wane. This is a statement of faith. The author of Hebrews says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. We are not of those who shrink back What would cause you to shrink back? What would cause you to shrink back from the call of God? Is it fear? Is it unbelief? Is it selfishness? Pride? What would cause you to shrink back from the call of God? What would cause you to shrink back from asking God for forgiveness? For saying, yeah, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. Like the prisoners in the Philippian jail who did not leave the prison. I'm in. Whatever that means. I'm not doing the thing that's better for me and running into the night. I'm staying with you, Lord, whatever that means. What would cause you to shrink back from saying you're all in with Jesus? Don't miss this opportunity to choose to follow Christ. You can say, yes, Lord, I'm in. 
Don't miss this opportunity to rise up into your calling. If you've been afraid to step out, don't shrink back. Don't miss this opportunity to be an overcomer. What are the mountains? What are the giants? What are the trials in your life that you need to come over? It says here, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Let's believe. Let's stand strong. Let's love the Lord to the end, whatever the circumstances. And I don't know what you need to fight, but I know you need to fight. So let's believe God to believe and overcome, to not shrink back. Let's trust him.